Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from the chapter 18 of the Acts of the Apostles. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade and stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade, he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Contreach, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow and they came to Ephesus and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next to the region of Galatia and Phygria, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Acacia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples and welcomed him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're continuing in our series, this is actually our final week in our series called Forgotten Family, where we've been looking at some of those maybe overlooked or lesser known or forgotten characters in the biblical story. And so as we continue in that and worshiping together uh, through studying God's word together, I just want to pause here and and pray uh, and ask God to be um, working to help us to understand and apply his word in our lives. So Father in heaven, thank you that you have spoken and that in speaking you have brought creation into existence and that you also revealed yourself not only in what you have made but in your word and that you've preserved that for us and we ask now that your holy spirit would open our hearts to receive afresh from your word we pray this in jesus name amen well, I'm not sure if you are a superhero movie fan or not, uh, but recently, uh, and if you, if you are, if you're in more of the DC category or the Marvel category, but recently Parade Magazine made a list of the f- top 50 uh, superhero movies of all time. And I'm not going to go through the entire list of 50 for you this morning, but I will walk through uh, the top seven of these superhero movies. The number seven of them was the 1978 Superman uh, film, which I was glad that one made the list because that's the Superman I remember watching growing up is the 1978 Superman. Then number six was Iron Man, also one of my favorites. Uh, Wonder Woman, 
It was number five. The Avengers was number four, Endgame. I know there's multiple Avengers out there, which I've not seen all of those. Uh, but Avengers Endgame, number four. Spider-Man 2 was number three. Black Panther was number two. And then number one on this list, you could disagree, number one on this list was The Dark Knight, uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman series, which I, I was really glad that made the number one spot. I love Christopher Nolan as a, as a film director. And so those, those are definitely my favorite superhero movies, the Dark Knight trilogy. They're definitely a little darker than some of the other ones, but Christopher Nolan's so masterful in, in those films. And so we, we know um, that these stories of these superheroes, they're, they're larger than life. We love them. And we also know that you know, our soldiers, first responders, law enforcement officers, they're regularly called upon to do acts of real heroism in real life uh, on a regular basis. But I think during the pandemic, we also discovered that so many jobs that may have seemed mundane or ordinary, grocery store clerks, anyone doing anything related to healthcare, uh, even package delivery workers, suddenly took on the title of essential work, even heroic work. But you know, from the very beginning of the biblical story, the Bible has affirmed, and God has affirmed, the goodness and beauty of all work, of everyday work. The ordinary life is the place where God does extraordinary work. The Bible affirms the goodness of ordinary life and ordinary work, and that ordinary life is actually the place where God does extraordinary work. And so again, in this kind of final week of our Forgotten Family series, we're going to discover that what makes a life significant is that it is infused with a seamless faith that sees every moment as one that matters. A life in which there aren't any compartments or segments or divisions. A moment, a life in where every moment is seen as, as holy, as an act of worship. And sometimes we use that language of holiness inside the church and can kind of lose meaning to us. But yes, it refers to a sense of, of, of kind of moral purity, but also of, of being set apart, of distinct, of recognizing God's presence in the midst of every one of the moments of our lives. And there's actually a great book that came out a, a few years ago, uh, which is called Every Moment Holy. And it's actually a collection of prayers or liturgies for the everyday moments of life that you might not typically think about moments of worship or where God might be present but it's really a testimony to God's presence in everything that we do. So there is a prayer, and there are actually two prayers in there for changing dirty diapers. There is a prayer in there for paying the bills, for doing house repairs, um, for all kinds of these little tasks throughout the day that you wouldn't typically think, this is something where God is present. But it's a great reminder in these beautiful language that God is present and cares about even the work of paying the bills or doing home repairs or hurriedly making a dinner, or gathering to feast with friends. Those are all different prayers that are in that book. What makes an ordinary life one of significance is ordinary, everyday faith. And faith is, is ultimately about responding to God's promises with trust, a trust that enables us to take little steps that over a lifetime of a long obedience in the same direction make a big impact. And that's what we see in the lives of Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter 18. And at one level, they are just ordinary people. 
But their ordinary, everyday faith transforms every moment into a holy moment, and they are a great model of what ordinary faith looks like in a normal Monday life. And so their story of Priscilla and Aquila is recorded for us in Acts chapter 18, and it's uh, in one of the, the New Testament books of the Bible. And if you haven't already turned there, I invite you to grab that pew Bible, turn to Acts chapter 18. Again, if you're newer to the scriptures, the Bible is divided up into two big parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the New Testament, it begins with four different accounts of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. We know those as the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then after those come the book of Acts. If you're flipping through your Bible there in the pew, you can certainly check the table of contents for Acts, and you're going to look for New Testament, and then Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And in Acts chapter 18, um, really, well, we'll get to Acts 18 in a moment, but the book of Acts tells the story of how the Holy Spirit empowers Jesus' followers to spread the good news about Jesus across the entire Roman Empire, about how a jealous Jewish rabbi named Saul was determined to, to quash and destroy this new Jesus movement, but who is then encounters, he encounters the risen Jesus on the road to a city called Damascus. He's going there to destroy a church or a group of followers of Jesus in Damascus, but his life is utterly turned around when he encounters the risen Jesus, and we now know him as the Apostle Paul, who is then at the kind of forefront of church planting, in particular among non-Jewish people across the Roman Empire. And just a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Lydia, another character who's often overlooked and forgotten in the biblical story, and she's in this town of Philippi. She's this, you know, really successful, prominent business leader in that city, and Paul goes to Philippi. He finds Lydia there at this place of prayer, and the Holy Spirit opens her heart to hear what Paul is saying. She becomes a follower of Jesus, and she uses her her place of work, her home, her state as a, as a sending place for mission. A church meets in her home, and she becomes a leader in this church. And then we skip ahead now to Acts chapter 18. And Paul has traveled from Athens to the busy port city of Corinth. And it is here in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece, that we are introduced to this couple, this married couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And as we look at their lives, we're going to consider three characteristics of a life of ordinary faith. Characteristics about their work, about their friendships, and about church. So characteristics about their work, their friendships, and the church. And as we look at their lives, we're going to see those three things come up all throughout this chapter. And the first thing we see is that an ordinary Monday faith transforms our work. And we see this in verses 1 through 3 of Acts chapter 18. And then Luke, who is the, the human author of the book of Acts, takes care in these verses to note the role that Priscilla and Aquila's everyday Monday work plays in the movement of God that he is recording for us in this book. So take a look at this, if you would. Acts chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 again here. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded that all the Jews leave to leave Rome, and he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers 
by trade. And we learn a lot about Priscilla and Aquila in these three short verses. But before we even unpack that, I just want to point out the level of detail that Luke records here, even in just these three verses, and it's true throughout the book of Acts, that Luke records lots of different place names, geographical locations, names of people, and it's almost as if he is inviting us to say, check my work, verify these accounts, go to these places, talk with these people, if you want to find out for yourself. And actually, over the years, uh, especially as the field of archaeology developed uh, significantly in the 18 and 1900s, many early archaeologists and, and contemporary archaeologists have done that work of going to the different places and doing excavations and found that Luke, particularly in, the gospel, in, the, in Acts and in the Gospel of Luke, is incredibly accurate and detailed, and what he writes matches up with what you find on the ground when you're doing archaeological historical work. And we learn here that Aquila was Jewish. It says he was a Jew. He was a native of Pontus. But he's in Rome, and he's married to Priscilla. And it's likely that she is a non-Jewish, a, a Gentile woman. And they are forced, because of religious persecution by the Roman Empire Claudius, to leave Rome. They are expelled out of Rome. They're, they're refugees, and they end up in Corinth. And again, Priscilla's formal name is Prissa, and actually she's referred to that name by, in several other places in the New Testament. But her informal name, her nickname, kind of her personal name, term of endearment, is Priscilla. And that's how Luke uh, and, and Paul refer to her in these accounts, because they have this, such a relationship of, of friendship, right? So my wife's name is Rachel, but I really call her Rachel. I usually call her Rach. It's that kind of same, this term of endearment of closeness. And we also learn that Luke and Paul refer to this married couple, they often place Priscilla's name first, which suggests, one, her high social standing, but also her influence and leadership in the church. She's usually referred to first, Priscilla and Aquila, rather than Aquila and Priscilla, which fits the pattern and profile of what we saw in Acts chapter 17. If you go back and look at Acts 17, Luke records that there are many prominent women who have been a part of giving leadership and supporting the work of church planting in this gospel movement. And that Priscilla fits that pattern and profile. Luke doesn't tell us about Priscilla and Aquila's conversion to Jesus. I wish we had that story. Um, we just find out that they are in Rome and that they know Jesus. Um, we don't know the story of how that happened. But they go to Corinth after they flee Rome, and Paul hears about them. And so as soon as he arrives in Corinth, he immediately goes to find them. And, and notice that just like Lydia, their Monday vocation plays a role. From page one of the Bible, we're giving this amazing picture of just the inherent dignity and value of work as people who are made in the image of God, who is a worker. And here, Luke is helping us to see how people's daily work, in particular in the marketplace, is so vital to the first century church planting mission. Luke wants us to see that ordinary faith finds its way into our Monday lives, where we are called to join Jesus on mission. Because Priscilla and Aquila, they operate uh, what seems to be a multi-city, multi-region, tent-making company. And this is not, I think when we picture tents, we often think of like canvas or, or nylon tents. These are probably leather tents. Um, it's what the Roman military used, these heavy-duty leather tents. Um, and Priscilla and Aquila are market leaders in this industry. And Luke tells us that they provide a job for Paul at their Corinth location. But more than that, their faith has transformed their view of their work. Because for them, making tents isn't just about the bottom line or even meeting human needs. It is that, but it's also about more than that. It's about mission, about loving 
people with the love of Christ. Because ordinary faith transforms how we see the ordinary place of our Monday lives. So that, yes, making dinner is about just making dinner, but it's also about providing a place for warmth and friendship and conversation. That programming computer code or providing health care are, yes, about those things, and those things have intrinsic goodness and value in and of themselves, but they are also places where we can bring Jesus' kingdom and his values and hope to bear. You know, I don't think we actually pray this way, but I think functionally we pray the Lord's Prayer, and it's almost as if we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, except at, at work. That it, even when we, when we pray something like the Lord's Prayer, do you imagine when you say in heaven as on earth, that earth includes the place where you work, where you spend the majority of your time? whether that's at home or in an office or in a school, whatever it might be. Priscilla and Aquila, they they bloomed where they were vocationally planted. They didn't leave their profession to become pastors, but they joined the church planting mission of Jesus in and through their Monday work. And this is one of the reasons that Christ community has placed such a focus, not just on, on the Sunday gathered church, but on the Monday scattered church throughout the city. We want to have a focus on Monday. That doesn't mean that Sunday here in person, gathered together as the body of Christ in one place, isn't important. We think that's really important. If anything, that the whole disruption that COVID has caused in our lives, I think, has reminded us of is how important physical connection, gathering together in one place is. So it doesn't all diminish that. But sometimes we tend to overly focus on on being a Christian is just about the Sunday morning experience and, and rather than viewing all of life. I love that Josh even mentioned that when he was talking about what they love about Christ's community, that we want to care together about what we do with the majority of our time outside of this building on a Sunday morning. Jesus does care about those things. And when we embrace the gospel of the kingdom, like Aquila and Priscilla did, we understand that following Jesus not only means experiencing the forgiveness of sins and a new creation life, but also being in the local church community with others and being on mission with Jesus wherever God calls us to be in our Monday lives. So that's, that's the first characteristic of, of a life that's shaped by an ordinary faith, is that it transforms our view of work and how we do our work. But second here, ordinary faith also deepens our friendships. Ordinary faith deepens our friendships. Because not only does Paul join Priscilla and Aquila in this tent manufacturing enterprise that they own and operate, he joins them in sharing all of life. And it's clear that they become dear friends who are on mission together. They even travel with Paul to his next destination in Ephesus where they likely have more tent-making operations or possibly business connections, suppliers, or something like that. And notice verse 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him, Priscilla and Aquila. They come with him. With their tent production company, Priscilla and Aquila have the resources of time and money to travel with Paul as he continues to expand this mission of church planting to the city of Ephesus. And from other texts, we know that Priscilla and Aquila, most likely, again, due to their business interests, they move around a lot in, in the story of the New Testament. And they start off in Rome, they're in uh, Corinth for a while where they meet Paul, they go on to Ephesus, it's clear kind of toward the later that they end up back in Rome. And wherever they go, these business leaders are quiet catalysts 
in furthering Jesus' kingdom mission. Their ordinary strength is, uh, faith is strengthened and flourishes in their network of friendships in this church planning movement. And while they're in Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila form an important friendship and mentorship relationship with a teacher from northern Africa named Apollos. And let me read you this section here in verses 24 through 28 at the end of Acts chapter 18 here. So now they're in Ephesus. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, which is kind of in Egypt, northern Africa, came to Ephesus. And he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. And he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately concerning the things of Jesus, though he only knew of the baptism of John. So Apollos is this, this really gifted, highly skilled, and even learned teacher, but he's, there's something limited. He only knows about the baptism of John. There's something about the Christian faith that he has yet to learn. And so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. These ordinary business leaders, they're not pastors, they're not missionaries. They are listening to this incredibly skilled teacher teach, but they recognize that there's something that he's, that he's missing. And so they pull him aside and they explain the way of God more accurately to him. And there's a couple of amazing things about this to me. One is clearly a policy. He, I mean, this is a learned, skilled teacher. And yet he's humble enough to receive instruction from Priscilla and Aquila. And the other thing that blows me away is that, again, that they are trained and discipled and learned it enough in the, in the Bible and in theology to actually instruct Apollos. They're, they're not paid to be good pastors or missionaries, but they have incorporated this faith and teaching of Jesus so deeply into their life that they can even give instruction to another teacher. Luke helps us see that this God-honoring everyday faith is not a solidary endeavor, but rather it is strengthened, it's forged, it's deepened in the context of a community of fellow believers who are on mission together. Deep friendship. So I think in light of that, a key question for us is, are we making time and space for deepening friendships in our lives? Because ordinary faith only flourishes in the context of friendships of joy and challenge and sharpening and encouragement. And of course, we need to have friends who are not Christians. This is one of the biggest challenges if you're a pastor, is that you spend easily all of your time or can easily spend all your time with people who are Christians, who are inside the context of the church. But for many of you, I know your Monday world, that Monday work, is the primary place where you're able to interact with those who are not followers of Jesus yet. And we're called to that. But for all of us, our deepest, our most intimate, our most committed relationships ought to be with people inside the local church who can encourage us and strengthen us in our faith. Be on mission together. And of course, we need those friends who are not Christians. But we need to be deepened and those relationships that are centered around Jesus. Also, if you are here and you happen to be married, Priscilla and Aquila provide an incredible picture of what marriage can be. A, a relationship of friendship, of complementary gifting, of, of unified mission, of self-sacrificing love and service. That Their marriage is clearly more than uh, just about the two of them. 
They're, they're highly relational. They're, they're deepening friendships. They're making spiritual community a priority. They're engaged in leading, not only in their, their work as owning and operating this tent-making business, but also in supporting and leading in this church planning movement. And they're doing it together. Ordinary Monday faith is not primarily seen in bursts of heroic bravery, but it's seen in those often hidden spaces of everyday vocational faithfulness. So our ordinary work, or I should say, our ordinary faith transforms our work, it deepens our friendships, and then finally, this, this ordinary, everyday, kind of Monday faith, it loves the local church. That's the third thing we see. Ordinary faith loves the local church. And again, you, you just can't miss this. It's all over Priscilla and Aquila's story. Um, again, they don't leave their, their vocation as tent makers, as owning and operating this tent making business to become full-time church planters or pastors. But they are all about seeing the local church flourish and giving all of their, their effort and energy to making that happen. Because wherever they are, whatever they're doing, they are planting and strengthening and leading local churches. And their names show up in a number of Paul's letters, right? Because a lot of our, our New Testament is letters that Paul wrote to local churches. So for example, he wrote a letter to the churches in Corinth called 1 Corinthians. And Priscilla and Aquila show up at the end of that letter, 1 Corinthians 16, 19. And the churches of Asia, Paul writes, send you greetings, that's what he's saying, send you greetings, church of Corinth. And Aquila and Prissa, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. So again, they're not in Corinth now, they're somewhere else. There's a house or a church that's meeting in their house, and they're sending greetings back to their friends and brothers and sisters in Corinth. They helped him launch the church in Corinth. They helped him launch the church in Ephesus, which now apparently meets in their house. And they understand that Jesus' kingdom mission is centered around and flows out of the local church. And again, their names show up in Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And it almost seems now that they are back in Rome uh, working with a the church there. Because Paul writes this in his letter to the churches in Rome. It says, Greet Priscilla and, or Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but notice this, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well, and greet also the church in their house. Again, they're back in Rome now, church is meeting in their house. Paul says they've risked their necks for me, and I'm giving thanks for them, and also all of the churches of the Gentiles, all the churches across the Roman Empire, these non-Jewish churches, have in some way been touched and are feel indebted to and offer thanksgiving for the work of Priscilla and Chloe. They've been impacted by the ordinary Monday faith of this couple. And again, you know, reading between the lines of it here, but my sense is that their passionate prayer, their encouragement, their generous financial support for Paul helped establish and grow these churches. And again, it's possible, likely, that they, because of the financial resources and the business connections that they had across the empire, of Rome were able to travel to many of these cities. It's obviously that they, that they did and were involved in church planting. So I think sometimes though when we read the New Testament, names like Peter, Paul, Timothy, these are the names that kind of leap off the page and we think of as kind of the heroes of the New Testament. But we often forget the Priscilla's and the Aquila's whose ordinary Monday faith made all the difference to the mission. That Paul could not have done what he was doing that Timothy could not have done what he was doing without the faithfulness 
the ordinary, everyday, Monday faithfulness of people like Priscilla and Aquila. Which means that none of you, none of us, are bench players. None of us are surplus or non-essential. There's no such thing as a non-essential worker in the kingdom. So I think the question for us here is, where have you yet to join Jesus on mission? Where have you yet to join Jesus on mission? If you are following and allow Jesus to integrate his presence into all areas of your life, where have you yet to join Jesus on his mission? Maybe you see Jesus as your king on Sunday, and when you're here in this place, you love to sing the songs and hear the teaching, but you know, functionally when you end up at work on Monday morning, you're kind of a different person there, and you sort of operate by your own set of rules. What would it look like for Jesus to be king not only of the pew, but the cubicle as well? Maybe you're on mission with him on Monday, but do you really think about, does Jesus care about how I work, how I relate to others in work, the goals that I have, the quality of the work that I do? Or maybe on, on the other hand, maybe you're in that place where you've sort of held the local church gathered at arm's length. But the local church, as God designed it, is the mission. It's the way, it's his plan A for advancing the good news of the gospel in the world. The gathering of God's people is so essential. We, we've realized that over and over again, I think, in those past 18 months. But I think it's also become easier and easier for church as a result of that to be something, oh, I just, I'll come when I have time or when I don't have anything else to do on that morning. For all of us to ask the question, is, is church an add to the rest of my life or is it kind of the beating heart of my whole life? Also, I think another thing when we talk about friendships and deepening in relationships is that we can let the uncertainty of the future keep us from investing and being fully present now in the present. So that, you know, I know for many of you, you're here in Kansas City because maybe you're, you're studying uh, music at UMKC or you're studying medicine at KU or, or, any, or you're here for an internship or a fellowship and, and the tendency, I think, can be to say, oh, I want to, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm only gonna be here for a year. I'm only gonna be here for a year and a half six months, and that, so I'm just going to kind of, I'll, I'll come to church, I know it's important, but I'm not really going to get involved because I'm going to move in six months, and I'm, I'm not going to deepen in relationship because I'm, I'm not going to see these people again. That's not the pattern we see in a Priscilla and Aquila's life. They're constantly moving around, but they're deeply connected. Everywhere they go, they're, they're gathering a small group of people and, and starting a Bible study, starting a house a church so don't, don't wait to follow Jesus till some time in the future. Don't wait to invest in relationships and in, in, in community until like sometime when you think you know you're going to be more settled. Do it now. Do it full. You won't regret it. Will it make leaving harder? Probably. But harder in a good way. Harder in a good way. Maybe if you're married, your marriage has become so inward focused that it's just about the two of you having a nice time with no space for investing in others. Priscilla and Aquila give a great picture of what kind of a marriage that is deeply shaped by the mission of Jesus and his passion about that can look like. Or maybe if you're, you're single, you, you've leveraged that liberty towards personal goals rather than, than sticking it through with friendships when they require something of you. Anyway, Jesus is calling us to be deeply committed to others and being about more than ourselves, more than about our comfort, our convenience.
Jesus wants us to engage in all of this because he is reintegrating all of this under his good rule and reign. So regardless of where Jesus has called you to join him on mission, again, where you're thinking about that and, and what areas of my life could I do that more fully, wherever that is, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this before, to join us this fall for our Church for Monday class. It's a great next step. And for years, we called this class Razor's Edge. It's been a key part of Christ Community's DNA from the very beginning. And again, if you've never been a part of that, I'd really encourage you to do that with us this fall. It starts on September 14th, so it's a Tuesday night in the fall. It runs for nine weeks. It is so life-shaping in thinking about how do we bring the good news of Jesus into every part of our lives. It was one of the most transformative things I did when I started attending Christ Community as a freshman in college 20 years ago. I was adding that up. So I started, this 2001, it's 2020, it's 20 years ago. And it had such a deep impact on how I thought about what the church is, how work matters, what Jesus calls us to do, not just on Sunday, but on Monday as well. And so uh, if you go to the Brookside page of our website, there's a banner there that has that that button on it. You can click on it and sign up there. Or even easier, if you just, when we pass the clipboards later on, if you just write Church for Monday uh, under your name on that, we'll send you an email with more information and how you can sign up for that. I'm convinced that we long for significance, that we long for meaning and purpose. And you know, what makes us truly memorable, what makes us truly significant, is not that other people remember us, because we've been People like Priscilla and Aquila, their story is recorded in the Bible, and they're often forgotten about. I mean, what hope do we have, right? What makes us truly memorable, what makes our lives truly significant, is not that we are remembered by others, but that we are known and remembered by God, and that we know and remember Him. We become significant when ordinary faith unites us to an utterly extraordinary Savior, Because anyone who works toward our rescue and restoration with such zeal that he would die on a cross and then has the power to defeat death and longs to offer life abundant, that God is not only one of kind, is not only true, but is good. And why wouldn't I want his purposes to come true in every part of my life on Sunday and on Monday? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you don't just use people like Paul and Peter and Timothy, but you use people like Priscilla and Aquila and so many other forgotten family members that we've looked at in this series. Ordinary people like me, like us, who are extraordinary, not because of anything that we've done or anything that we could do, but because you have loved us and called us and adopted us into your family and called us your sons and daughters. Would we live this week out of that identity wherever you've called us on Monday? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.